Hey, Catholic Divas, happy Advent. In this podcast episode, we're going to talk about Advent and how to start some new beginnings. So come on in and let's learn together. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Hey, Catholic Divas, happy Advent. We are in a new liturgical season and we are in a new liturgical year. Advent begins a new liturgical year. It started on December 3rd, the first Sunday of Advent. It was so interesting. Even before Thanksgiving, I just saw so many people already having their Christmas lights up and Christmas music on. And there's always that debate on social media, right? Like, When do you start playing that? And when do you start decorating? And how long do you keep your tree up? Well, for the Snyders, as I was coming back into the church, I really understood that there's two distinct seasons in this time of year. Advent, which is the waiting period, the preparation period for Christmas. And then Christmas actually begins, and it doesn't end on Christmas Day. It actually begins on Christmas Eve. And it goes all the way until the baptism of our Lord. And that depends on the days, usually around the second Sunday of January. So that's a whole nother season. And that's really the time to celebrate. But I want to talk today about new beginnings. Because again, like I mentioned, if, if you didn't know, Advent actually begins a new liturgical year. So we're in a new cycle of readings and we're in 2024, according to the Catholic Church. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what are the new beginnings? I mean, you know, we always have New Year's resolutions, and we always are determined, like, how is this going to be different? I've seen a lot of different posts, entrepreneurs, I want more in 2024, something like that. We've been talking on this podcast about four primary spiritual exercises that I would want to encourage you to implement in your daily life or in your monthly life or in your spiritual life. If you haven't been with me for a while, if this is the first episode you've heard, the four spiritual practices that I recommend for any Catholic is Mass. Of course, Sunday Mass, but I'm not talking about just Sunday Mass. I'm talking about daily Mass. Every church, well, I used to be every church, As our priests are dwindling and churches are having to combine parishes and priests and things, you just have to look it up. But thanks be to God, we have Google, we have masstimes.com, and you also have your local church bulletin. But typically, there will be a daily mass at a local church. And that is very efficacious if you can attend a daily mass. Now, sometimes because of our situation, our state in life, our work duties and things, the mass times just don't fit into our life. But if you can find 
a mass that fits into your schedule somehow, some way, I really want to encourage you during this Advent season to try to get to one daily mass during the week. Advent is four weeks long, so that's just four extra masses. The other spiritual exercise that I'm always promoting is adoration. The beautiful thing about adoration is many churches, of course, have First Friday adoration, and many of those parishes will have what they call nocturnal adoration. And so they'll have the Blessed Sacrament exposed all night long until the morning, about anywhere between seven and nine, depending on when their mass schedule is and and things like that. But that is a really beautiful exercise also to start practicing. I remember years ago, gosh, this is probably about 20 years ago, one of the gentlemen, holy, holy man, he was a daily communicant and he spearheaded our nocturnal adoration at our parish. And that's really what we did is on every Friday during Advent, we had nocturnal adoration. So the Blessed Sacrament was exposed after they had a nine o'clock Mass. And so after 9 a.m. Mass on Friday, Jesus was exposed until 8 or 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. And so you could go visit Jesus for adoration anytime on Friday. And it was such a beautiful thing. I, I don't know if I've shared this story about how one of my friends who was Protestant, but she just loved Jesus so much. And we were at a party and I invited her to adoration and she and her husband came. We we went late. This is when I had little ones. So I would just wait till I put everybody to bed and then I would go at 10 o'clock. So we met at 10 o'clock and they didn't stay the whole hour. They just stayed for about a half an hour or so. But it was such a powerful experience for them that later, this is about three or four years later, they were military, we were military, and they moved. And she reached out to me and she shared with me that they actually became Catholic. And it was because that adoration experience, that Advent, which is so beautiful. I mean, praise be to God. This is a great time to bring your children to meet Jesus. Let me share with you a little parenting tip I have discovered is that it's wonderful if you have teenagers that are particularly challenging, pushing back at you, encouraged maybe even if it's just one adoration during Advent, go as a family. You all don't have to sit together. You could sit around the church, bring a Bible, let the little ones bring uh, an art pad so they could do some drawing. You would be amazed at children's meditation when they draw when they're allowed to draw in silence. Many times parishes, I've been to different parishes where they'll have um, quiet music during the adoration as well. So that's the second spiritual practice that I want to encourage you. And even if it's just once, one time during Advent and then set that intention just once a month, going to adoration, either by yourself or with your family, It's also a really great practice to bring a non-Catholic. It's a little bit easier. I've actually heard a priest say that it's easier to bring a non-Catholic to adoration rather than to Mass, because sometimes Mass is just so confusing of standing up and kneeling, and why do we do this? And, And then, oh, by the way, you can't receive communion, and that might offend them. But adoration is just them and Jesus. And again, they can bring their Bible, they can bring their journal, They can bring a holy book. 
I can't tell you how many times I've read different holy saint books during adoration. It's so beautiful. So that's the second spiritual exercise. And then, of course, the third spiritual exercise is the rosary. Now, one of the traditions that I learned when I started praying the rosary was that on the Sunday, the the rosary meditation changes based on what time of the year we're in, what liturgical part of the year we're in. And Advent is, Advent and Christmas are the joyful. And so, because the joyful mysteries are basically the time of baby Jesus, right? The first joyful mystery is the Annunciation, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and announces to her that she's going to be the mother of the king, and she accepts and says, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. And then the second joyful mystery is the visitation, when after Gabriel leaves, she immediately gets up, Our Lady gets up and heads out, makes haste to the hill country of Judea to go visit Elizabeth. And that's where baby John leaps in Elizabeth's womb, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's just such a profound meditation of women serving each other, sharing their pregnancies together. And then the third mystery is the birth of Jesus, which is Christmas, but just really meditating on the whole birth. You can meditate on the Magi coming visit, the shepherds coming to visit, all the angels, what it felt like maybe not having any room at the inn, all those kind of wonderful things. And then the fourth joyful mystery is the presentation. And so this is six weeks after Jesus is born. This is typically the Feast of the Presentation is February 2nd. And in the olden days, that actually was the end of Christmas time. And so there's always some sort of joke of who's going to keep up their Christmas tree the longest until the Feast of Presentation. And that is when Joseph and Mary take Jesus to the temple to be presented according to the law. And they have two turtle doves and Simeon takes that baby and prophesies over him and prophesies to Mary that a sword will pierce her heart and that many hearts will be laid bare, many thoughts will be laid bare. And then the fifth joyful mystery is the finding of Jesus in the temple. And again, this is when he's 12. They're up in Jerusalem. They're there for the Passover and they're starting to leave and they notice that he's not with them. And so they run back. And for three days, they're looking in Jerusalem, trying to find him. And he's sitting in the temple with the elders and the scribes, just asking all kinds of questions and things. So that's a beautiful meditation as well. Now, just a little fun fact, if you want to know scripturally, you can look all of those meditations, all of those mysteries in the Gospel of Luke. St. Luke actually received all of those insights of Jesus's childhood from Our Lady. And so that's the only gospel that has his early years. So we have daily mass, adoration, rosary, and then C is for confession. And typically parishes will have a parish reconciliation night, and usually maybe either the second or the third week of Advent where everyone can go. I have mixed feelings about that personally, just because it's just so many people, but it's also kind of beautiful, typically, depending on how big the parish is, how many priests are in the diocese, they'll have five or six priests, and you can go to a different priest that maybe you're not used to. I remember a friend of mine telling me that her bishop would go to these parish reconciliation events 
and he would just do it quietly. And people didn't know that he was actually one of the priests until they went into the confessional and like, oh my goodness, it's the bishop. So that's kind of a funny little story. But going to confession is always a beautiful sacrament that we just don't use enough. I've talked a little bit about confession. You can go back to the beginning episodes about how to go to confession and why confession is such an efficacious sacrament to bring Jesus, really clean our souls, really walk right with the Lord. And of course, bringing our families to confession. We're we're practicing becoming Catholic. We're living in a certain way because we are Catholic. In November, we were reading during daily Mass the Book of Maccabees. And if you know anything about the Book of Maccabees, first and second, it was a time when the Gentiles took over and different people, the remnant refused to sacrifice to the altars, refused to participate in the Gentile culture, and really wanted to maintain their Jewish faith. And then it got so bad. And one of the parts, if you read Maccabees, is that if anyone had the law, the Gentiles would rip it up. So you had to read the scriptures in hiding. And then you also had to refuse making sacrifices to their idols and things. So it's just ways of practicing our outwardly practices of what's going on interiorly, right? That we want to draw ever closer to the Lord. We want to draw ever closer to Our Lady. One of the things when I was really understanding Our Lady and her role in my life was, especially as I was meditating on these joyful mysteries, During an advent, I realized I didn't know him as a baby. The event in my life that happened that really taught me this was one time my husband and I were visiting his mom, and she was such a sweet soul. I love her so much. And she was just sharing with us some stories about my husband when he was a baby. And I had just been praying the, the joyful mysteries. Maybe this was over Christmas. And it just dawned on me that, oh my goodness, I don't know didn't know my husband as a baby. I mean, my mother-in-law is giving me so much insight to my husband as he was as a child, because I met him when he was 25. And that's really what gave me that, I just saw that connection of, that's what Our Lady does. Our Lady always points back to Jesus. She always wants to draw us ever closer to her son. That is her whole role. That is her whole mission. That is what she does. And yet, because she is his mother, what a beautiful way to get to know the son, but through the mother. So I want to encourage you to pray your rosary, get to an extra mass if you can, maybe a mass downtown if you're working or a different parish or something like that. Go to an adoration during this Advent time. And of course, if you can, go to confession. It's just a beautiful, beautiful exercise. And really prepare your soul for the coming of our Lord on Christmas. So the other thing I want to ask you is, it's always interesting to find out what were their traditions and how do we distinguish Advent and Christmas? As I mentioned, it's been so funny. People just start decorating practically after Halloween. They just start decorating for Christmas, which I just think is such an interesting phenomena of what are people yearning when they're decorating for Christmas? What are you yearning for? Because as St. Augustine says, 
our hearts are restless until we rest in you. And so for me, it kind of is an indicator of like, what is this person seeking that they desire to decorate so early in the season? But two of the things that distinguish Advent from Christmas is the Advent wreath. And I don't know if you and your family celebrate with an Advent wreath. I was introduced to the Advent wreath early in my first year of marriage. We were really blessed. We had a beautiful director of religious education. And what she did was she actually, it was like that Saturday of Thanksgiving, maybe, or something. It was a family event. And they, of course, we lived in Germany and they had real branches, evergreen branches, and then they had wreaths to sell. And then, of course, the candles to sell. So you could actually decorate your own wreath. And they had, I don't know, cranberries or something. They had hot glue guns and things. I had never heard of an Advent wreath. As I mentioned to you, my family was very nominally Catholic. I mean, we knew we were Catholic, but I didn't know what it meant. And the Advent wreath is a beautiful tradition and there are special prayers each week. And so you basically start and you'll see this when you go to mass, the Advent wreath will be there next to the altar and father will typically bless it. And then the first purple candle will be lit on the first Sunday of Advent. And then the second purple candle will be lit on the second Sunday of Advent. And then the third Sunday is Gaudete Sunday, and there's a pink candle because it's Joyful Sunday and we're getting so close. And then the fourth Sunday is the fourth candle, which is also purple. And then many times people will have what they call a Christ candle, a white candle in the middle. And so on Christmas, all of them will be lit. And it's a wonderful little tradition that you can purchase them and you could Google them. You could, I'm sure. And nowadays you could probably buy an Advent wreath at, at Amazon, but you can look in different Catholic stores online. There's all kinds of different Catholic stores, or even maybe you have a local Catholic bookstore of some sort and you could purchase it with the candles. It's so beautiful. In our family, as my children were growing up, my daughter's name is Rose. And so she always lit the third candle. And so my oldest daughter would light the first candle and then my son, and then Rosie would light the third candle. And then my other son lit the fourth candle and we would have the special prayers. And that was just such a beautiful thing. The other tradition that is sometimes also not as well known is called the Jesse tree. And that's a little bit of a harder thing. I know friends who have actually created a Jesse tree through sewing patterns but basically what the Jesse tree is, is that it starts from Genesis and it goes through the scripture verses, the, the history of salvation. And each day you add an extra little ornament or something. I know when my children were little, and for some reason we don't have it anymore, I don't even remember where I purchased them, but they were just little cardboard circles. And I just put some string on them. And then what we would do is we would make like a little tree on our wall and they got to just put tape and put them, but we would read the story and then they got to know the Bible verses. They got to know Adam and Eve and Noah and different things. The other thing that we would do is the Feast of St. Nicholas. Now that was on December 6th. And traditionally, this is a European feast, a really big feast in Germany, which is where we got married. And I was really, really blessed 
God was so good to me when I was younger because he knew my desire to really be Catholic. And so where we lived in Germany, we lived in Würzburg, Germany, and that was a Catholic county. The government was kind of like Catholic in that Americans used to joke, well, if it was a German holiday, then the Catholics, we must go to is some sort of holy day of obligation. That was kind of like one of those things that we used to say, like, oh, it's a German holiday. We must go to mass because they would close all of the stores and banks and things like that on holy days of obligation, which was kind of cool because it gave me that opportunity to learn. But Feast of St. Nicholas, traditionally, you put your shoes out the night before and then they're filled with little coins and nuts. And one of the things how I actually kind of individualize that little tradition is my older sister used to give her children on Christmas Eve a new ornament so that they could put a new ornament on the Christmas tree. And then as they got older, when it was time for them to start their own family, they already had 20 ornaments of their own so that they could go. And it was kind of just this tradition of starting your own family, right? And so I would add that ornament in their shoes. And that's when they would receive their new ornament is on Feast of St. Nicholas. I would really love to hear any of the other traditions that you all have during Advent. Another funny thing that happened with us, it really just happened by chance. And it then became a tradition for us is our second year in Germany. My cousin married a German girl. And so we were visiting their family And we'd been working really, really hard and I wanted a real Christmas tree and we just hadn't had a chance to go to the tree, whatever it's called, the tree park. And so we were visiting our German friends and I was telling my husband, we really have to get back so we can get the tree. And uh, Opa, we used to call him Opa, which means grandfather. He said to us, you need a Christmas tree? We can go do that right now. And so that's what he did. He and my husband and and their boys, they went out to their own forest and they cut down a Christmas tree and then they tied it up on our van and, and we drove home with our new Christmas tree. And it just so happened that that was the Saturday of the third Sunday of Advent. And so that kind of became our tradition of putting up the tree. We put up our tree on the third Sunday of Advent, of course, because it's Gaudete Sunday. When we used to live in places that were colder, That was the other aspect of it is we would go find a tree farm and go out and and cut our own tree just because I, as a child, with my dad being military, we lived overseas a lot where we had a fake tree. And so I just thought that was so cool that we could have a real tree. And then we moved down here in, in El Paso and it was just a little bit more difficult to, there are tree farms, but it's a couple hours away and we just didn't want to drive two hours to a tree farm with four kids and then pick the tree and then drive back for two hours. So we just purchased a fake tree. But typically we will put our tree up on the third Sunday of Advent. And one of my dear friends, Elizabeth Foss, taught me. So she used to write for the diocese that we both lived in in Virginia, Arlington Diocese. She used to write for the weekly diocese paper about parenting and things. And she taught me how to use the dining room table almost kind of like as the altar at church in that use liturgical colors. So during Advent, the liturgical color is purple. And so I've bought purple tablecloths. I have white tablecloths. I have blue tablecloth for Our Lady. 
I have red tablecloth for Pentecost and, of course, Christmas. I have a gold tablecloth actually for Christmas and for Easter. And so my children have learned the different colors of the liturgical calendar depending on what color the tablecloth is. So during Advent, I know a lot of people will come and kind of look around like, you haven't really decorated. Like, yeah, we don't really decorate until the third Sunday of Advent because we have our Advent wreath, we have a purple tablecloth, we'll have the Jesse tree up, and we'll probably put up the creche. We have a little nativity scene, and it's a beautiful one. We purchased very early in our marriage, and we have all of the shepherds and the sheep in a different area, and the magi in a different area, and we have Our Lady and Joseph in a different area traveling to Bethlehem, and the kids get to move them closer and closer as it gets closer. So those are some of the ways that we have celebrated and really kind of kept that quiet, penitential preparation Advent season. And as I mentioned, I'd love to hear what you all do. Um, If you do different things, maybe you start off with putting up your stockings, uh, or maybe you're one of those people that decorates right after Halloween. I would absolutely love to hear all of those things. I would love for you to write a review, reach out to me on social media, and just share with me, how do you celebrate Advent? Have you ever considered separating the Advent season with the Christmas season? And if you do, I would love to hear those things because we always get different ideas from everyone, right? And then the last thing I really want to encourage you is because Advent is, like I mentioned, it's a new liturgical year. So I would love to hear as a Catholic coach, what are you going to work on this year? What area do you want to improve this year? Do you want to improve your physical health? Do you want to improve maybe your emotional health? Do you want to improve your relationships and work on some of your relationships? What about maybe a business or your career? Or as I mentioned, your spiritual practices. I want to invite you to sit down and think about the different areas of your life on a scale from one to 10, 10 being like a perfect life, which of course none of us have. But I want to encourage you to evaluate, put a scale on one to 10 and say out of one to 10, my career is an eight, but my relationships might be a three or something like that. And then you can, during this Advent season, just maybe pick four areas And each week, I want to encourage you, maybe spiritual practices, maybe it's at a two. What would I want to do or how would I want to change to make it a 10 or even maybe not make it go from two to 10, maybe make it go from two to five. How am I going to improve? Why is this area important in my life? And what kind of changes would I like to make? And then I would love for you to look in the show notes and go ahead and click the discovery call link. And we can sit and chat and see how I can help you improve those areas of your life and give you some tips and tricks and things like that. All right. Well, you have a very happy first week of Advent and I will see you next week. Don't forget to write a review and share with us your own family's traditions for Advent and Christmas.